everybody. I've missed you. Because for you, we've only been gone for two weeks. But for me, I haven't recorded an episode of the podcast in over a year. So it's good to be back. I'm your host, Jean-Luc. Uh, you are listening to Crying in the Book... It's Crying in the Book Club? That's the name of the podcast, right, guys? Yeah. I, I get Okay, okay, okay. Emily and Alex are both nodding at me. Uh, we're all back. We took a year hiatus, and everyone is... Uh, everyone's here. Emily, hello. Hi. I haven't spoken to you in 365 calendar days. No, we haven't. We only talk to each other when we're recording. We don't talk outside the podcast. Yeah. It makes planning episodes pretty difficult, but we manage... We just put it on a calendar at one point and show up to the Zencaster link in the Google invite and hope the other hosts are there. So the, you could have been getting a solo show tonight from if two of us were just like not interested. Oh, that would have been very weird. <laughs> yeah. But uh, both Emily and I are here and uh, Alex is uh, also here. 525,600 minutes. 525,000 moments so dear. It's been a year, guys. It's been a year. Is that a song about That's how from Rent. That's Seasons of Love from Rent. Yeah. Because if you do 365 days, X 24 hours in a day, X 60 minutes in an hour, you get 525,600 minutes. That's impressive. That's impressive math of you to be able to do. That's what I learned in the last year. Just, you know, <laughs> left society and just math but i only know that one equation alex has gotten really so. into math these days yeah math and math let's go took a bit of a hiatus and just marked each minute of every day that we <laughs> took a break from the episode too many minutes too many minutes well that's none of that is true um but it is good to uh be recording a podcast it has it felt like a year, a year. well yeah October was a long month for, well, for me and presumably for you as well, Emily. Yes. Maybe for Alex, it was like a finger snap and like nothing. No, happened. no, it was uh, pretty action packed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you get Did you get COVID at the beginning of this month, Alex? Or, or no, was it, was I got that... it. Well, I got it during my Hawaii trip, so end of September. Okay. In Hawaii, good stuff. And I got home from Hawaii, had like a week of healthiness, and then I was off to Montreal for some. Uh, for an event for work, uh, did a lot of biz dev and stuff. Food in Montreal is very biz good. dev, biz we dev. I know biz dev doer on our podcast. Doing some biz devs, <laughs> handing out some biz dev cards, whatever they are. Look yeah, at you. Mm. I've decided I don't like people in the games industry, so it's cool. <laughs> I've decided no, no. I don't like people in the politics industry, so you that's know. fair. There's a lot of overlap. I like to imagine that your biz dev cards are just Yu Gi Oh cards. Oh, I should do that. If it was my own business. I would take the lawsuit from, you know, the Yu-Gi-Oh company. Well, see, you, you, just could, the card you would just back. do parody. Make your it's business true. card. It's it's you as a Yu-Gi-Oh card. And it has all your information. <laughs> wow. That's a great idea. It's like the stats. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Stats. One biz dev. One happy client. Yeehaw. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. My, uh, <laughs> my, my, my girlfriend made, a, made me a, uh, it was a pokemon card to ask me out to go to her school dance and it was like i don't know it was very cute That's it was a custom adorable. pokemon card because they have websites you can do that you still have <laughs> she just it? printed it out though oh yeah 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 i also have the copies that didn't work out so i have she gave me all of them there's like the ones that are like a little crooked or like spelt wrong you got so. the goof ups 
yeah, yeah. Those are worth more, I hear. But they're all one one, so yeah, no, it's they're to all say. one of a kind. Yeah. I don't I don't think Pokemon has like one one power toughness stats like that. I think that's a Yu-Gi-Oh! and a magic thing. Oh, I just meant there was one of a kind. Oh uh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Like one out of okay. That's yeah, see, yeah. my if you tell me two numbers in a sequence, like <laughs> eight nine, I'm like, oh, is that the power toughness of a magic the gathering card you're telling me right now? Of course. So that's that's my brain. Um my my brain also is uh focused heavily on Daredevil Born Again. Is it? Again? Yeah, again, for the second time this month. Uh, it is, uh, well, it is because I recently reread it because we were going to record this episode a month ago and then I didn't have power for nine days. Uh, we, we love Airbnb folks. What I can't a, believe, well, congrats. Yeah. You're back. Yeah. It's such a cool service. Mm. But anyway, we're here to, uh, yeah, talk about Daredevil Born Again, which is, uh, I think it's the like end of Frank Miller's Daredevil. Well, it's not concurrent with the rest of his Daredevil run. Frank Miller wrote a lot of Daredevil comics and wrote a lot of them in sequence and then stopped writing them and then came back to write Born Again and then I don't think wrote any more. But it is sort of like the, I don't know, I guess the seminal uh, Frank Miller uh, Daredevil story, the one that everybody points to, the 1986 classic that is you know often thought of as you know, along with Watchmen and other Alan Moore and Frank Miller and Neil Gaiman books and, you know, a bunch of other stuff as well, thought of as, like, sort of the start of uh, the modern era of comics. So excited to uh, to, to get into that. Um, I guess I should do a spoiler warning. It's a, a good idea. If you haven't read Daredevil Born Again, uh, this, what, 36-year-old comic? Uh, You've had know. time. Yes. 30, I no. did the math right, right? I, I don't know. Alex, you've been doing math. You're right. It is 36. I just <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> Correct. Well done. Oh, I'm glad I was right about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was uh, originally published 36 years ago in 1986. Uh, and it it's weird because the, the story arc itself spans five issues. But, like... There's also an issue before and two issues after that are like can really starting and continuing the story. Oh, are we supposed to read uh, like this? You prob so here's the thing. You probably did read those because in all of the collections it that it those are collected along with it. Well, I definitely yeah. didn't read the after because I did hit that part and I was like, Well, I'm done. Well, did you? Well, we'll we'll get into it when because we talk the about the collected plot, edition. I had uh, had like the run, and then it said, "And these are this is another thing that's also related." And you guys didn't say to read that, so I was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> well, okay." So here's where the spoiler warning comes in. What's the last thing that happened in what you in the stuff you read? Oh, you think I remember? Hold on. Let me look at Wikipedia. Wow. Look, it really, I remember the events of the comic. I don't remember the exact ending because no, that's, it has that's Was Captain America there? Yeah. Okay, so you did read the whole okay. thing. That's what I mean when I say it's all collected together. Okay, yeah. then maybe there was just something else that they had in there that I didn't look at. Either way, uh, but it looks like it I'm is good. one of the weird, th yeah, it is one of the, you're good. I, I figured you were because all these collections sort of present these, like, I think it's eight issues as, like, it ends up being eight issues as, like, 
the story, even though originally the arc was, was five issues. And like the first issue is like coming off of a different run on the book. Um, it's like you, like they even, it's not like, it's not quite like totally Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. Um, Frank Miller co-writes the first issue of this arc with, uh, Denny, Denny O'Neill and, uh, Dennis Hanke, I think is how you pronounce it. Co-draws it with David Mazzucchelli. So, it's sort of like you get both of the creative teams doing one issue together and then Miller and Mazzucchelli take over for the actual, like... I found the, what it is that I didn't read, and it Okay. Uh, it's this, it's... Oh. Man Without Fear. Oh. Yeah, so that's technically the it's first the issue. First one, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I didn't read the first one. It, you don't need to. The thing is, it's almost completely irrelevant to the rest of the story, uh, it just sets up uh, the Melvin Potter character who, like, shows up later in the book okay. as a, like, the guy who makes Daredevil, who, like, makes Daredevil's costume later on. Okay. Yeah, and you don't really um, even need that setup. Like, there's no, no real, like... It's really not necessary. Although it does yeah. sort of start doing the setup of, like, Matt is miserable and hates himself uh, before <laughs> the book actually begins. Sure. Um but but you do see a, there is a, a very clear difference uh, between like literally like you flip from the last page of in the in the trade that I was reading it has them all like in sequence and you like flip from the last page of that issue to the first page of the next and it's just like night and day it's like one of them is like yellow text boxes and like bright colors and these bright backgrounds and you flip to the next page and it's like it's raining they're in like what looks like a weird warehouse like it's much more you know, in it's line. A good, it's a good tone setter for sure. Oh, it's like, f- oh, wow. Ooh, ooh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it's a phenomenal, uh, it's a phenomenal tone shift, but it is definitely way more in line with, you know, what is the, 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 the Frank Miller, uh, school of, of superhero comics. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, this is a, a pretty iconic book. It, you know, was the basis for the last season of the Netflix Daredevil show. Oh, no shit. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. I, I never watched that, but... <laughs> I, I, I recommend it, and I mean, I we'll, we'll talk the, about it later, how how it adapts. It. I watched the first two seasons. Was it three seasons yeah. on Netflix? Yeah, the first season, season, yeah. first season I thought was really strong. Second season, I really didn't like. And then the third season was very strong. Yeah, see, yeah. I kind of fell it, off it during, like, at, like, towards the end of the second season because I was kind of eh on it. If I had known that yeah. this was uh, adapted in the third season, I might have watched it ahead of this. Yeah, there's, the, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it later. Uh, there's, yeah, sure, there's sure. things I really like about the show. I yeah I I knew that but I have no desire to finish I, I again I've I've heard it's good but I like I don't know personally can't be bothered to watch uh, I I only read about uh, children's superhero characters I I prefer not to watch them on the screen uh, yeah I watched um, I, I liked season one and I met uh, Charlie Cox at a uh, comic convention one time and he said my hair oh, yeah. was cool nice yeah he was right very nice yeah he was right was it was your hair different no i mean it was this color but it was like it was back when it was like super long Mm. oh okay cool yeah um but yeah it's it's not only the netflix show it's also like i I mean heavily influences future runs on the character i mean there's a lot of this in brian michael bendis's run um honestly 
parts of the Mark Wade run even are like, feel like they lift a lot of plot elements from born again. Um, in my opinion, they do them a little bit better. <laughs> they hit those beats a little bit better, but there's, there's some, there's some similar, uh, similar stuff going on there. Um, so I, I also think this is an interesting one and I'll, I'll get to the, to the plot summary in a second, but had either of you read this before? Yeah. No siree. Yeah. I, so I also hadn't read this before. So I think that this is one of the first books, uh, that we've done that none of us, this is all, all of our, all of us have fresh takes on wow. this. And I, and I think like when I think of that era of comics and I think of like, what's the seminal stuff you have to read? Uh, for me, it's like, oh, I'm going to go DC. Cause that's like, you know, you got Watchmen, you got Dark Knight. You got... It's yeah, DC exactly. and Vertigo was where the like mo- modern age of comics started. Which you know? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a failing on me not to look at the Marvel stuff, but it's, I, I'd heard about this Daredevil run, but never, never even yeah. was like, Oh, I want to read it. I was like, Oh, nice. Good for them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I, I've like wanted to read it for a while just cause I find Frank Miller to be a super compelling writer uh, on, on, well, 80% of the time he's a super compelling writer uh, on like the stuff that, I, that I've read. So I've always wanted to read this because Daredevil was also like one of my favorite Marvel characters. So, I but it, it had just like, n- yeah, uh, it had just like never, I just never gotten around to it. So uh, I'm happy to do that. So we, we don't have the like, you know, what's your history with Daredevil born again? Cause there is there the, crying in the book club. It did not have history with Daredevil Born Again until the last few weeks. <laughs> wow. um, but yeah, I guess I'll, before, before we get into it, I'll just dive into the plot summary then. So uh, the crux of Born Again really is that it uh, seeks to answer one of what is the one of the oldest questions in superhero comics and in the superhero mythos writ large, which is what happens when a character's identity goes public, when the the mask comes off and everyone knows who they are, or at least some people who shouldn't find out, find out who they are. Um, so the circumstances are a little bit convoluted for how that happens in born again. I um, have but opinions <laughs> on that. I, I, I believe it. Um, so, so what happens is uh, one of Matt Murdoch's many ex-girlfriends um, in this case, also his ex-secretary uh, Karen page um, sells his identity is Daredevil to a low-level drug dealer in exchange for heroin, uh, who then works that information up the chain of his, you know, his boss to his boss's boss to his boss's boss's cousin or, or something like that, uh, who is a lieutenant of the Kingpin, who's, you know, kind of Daredevil's arch nemesis that, well, really the arch nemesis of like all of the street level superheroes in New York. Um, he is like the crime, the like New York Marvel comics, New York city crime boss. Um, and then what follows is, uh, you know, a concerted effort by the Kingpin to just destroy Matt Murdoch's life. Um, and as a way of, you know, destroying his, his foe, uh, Daredevil, he frames him for, for tax evasion, uh, of all things, which leads to, you know, his, uh, his bank accounts being frozen and, uh, him being kicked out, evicted from his house and, and going to jail, losing his law or not going to jail, but going to trial and losing his law license, crucially staying out of jail. Um, and then, at the end of it all, Matt Murdock tries to walk home and the, his apartment building is blown up in front of his face, uh, which is sort of the final straw in breaking him. 
he goes to to confront Kingpin. Kick, Kingpin kicks a shit out of him, and then Matt Murdock is like really at his lowest point. Uh, he's like completely alone. Feels like all his friends have turned against him. Like everyone is working with the Kingpin. Becomes very paranoid and depressed. He is losing um, his fucking mind. Yeah, he is really. He's like gone off the rails uh, fully. Um, and sort of while that's happening, there's some other like narratives that are going on at the same time. His law partner, Foggy Nelson, uh, starts dating another one of his ex-girlfriends, uh, Gloriano Breen, uh, the, the Irish redhead. Um, and then at the same time, Ben Urich from, from the Daily Planet uh, sort of starts investigating uh, what happened to, to Matt Murdock because, you know, Murdoch's his, Matt's his boy. He knows he, he he also knows that Matt is Daredevil. He knows that he wouldn't do tax evasion, or probably wouldn't do tax evasion. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so he starts investigating it, and then sort of over the course of the story, uh, you know, Matt sort of is slowly starts to put his life back together. Uh, a big you know inciting moment in that is when he like reunites with Karen Page. Um, and he, he's stabbed by a Santa Claus in New York. And then he, he's taken to a church where he's able to like recover from his wounds. And like I said, reunites with Karen, uh, and, you know, reemerges as, 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 as Daredevil, uh, only to fight the supervillain Nuke, um, which ultimately, uh, in defeating, uh, Nuke, he is able to prove the connections to Kingpin, uh, and that the charges levied against him were false. And, uh, you know, in classic American fashion, a big city newspaper breaks the story on its front cover and everything goes back to the way it should be. So that's Daredevil Born Again. Wow. Yeah. Um, hmm. Sort of to, to get into it, I guess, a little bit. Um, and we can get into more specifics, obviously, of, of the plot stuff as it comes up. But... Uh, do you like? Did you guys enjoy it? Uh, appreciate it? Hate it? Respect it from a distance with a long pole? Parts of it were good. Parts of it were good. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> like I don't. Okay. I didn't what? hate it. Um, yeah. There are aspects of it that I don't like. But I believe and, that. and I feel like the story itself is just kind of a little kooky. <laughs> um, but and not in a good way, I assume. I, 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 it's just sort of I, you know, I don't know. I, my feelings on this this is the the most like this is the least I have been able to tell how I feel about a comic that we've done so far, I guess, <laughs> or the most complicated I felt about a comic so far, but I guess that comes with the t- Frank Miller territory. Yeah. I, I mean, I think all the Karen page stuff is just awful. Like it's just like so bad. And uh, as someone who like, you know, watched the daredevil show and that was sort of my introduction to the character. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, she, she's, she's, she's a person doing her own thing. Um, you know, connected to Daredevil, but you know her own character in her own right. And then you you introduce this character who's literally just like, "Oh, I'm a heroin addict, and I'm gonna give up uh, Daredevil's identity, ruin his life, and then I'm just gonna like sleep with this guy to like get across the thing to get back to him so he can save me." It's just like this was made 34 years ago. Yay, <laughs> wonderful! But 
Uh, I think you'll find it was 36 years ago, Alex. Oh, well, then that, that that's excusable. It was, it was, it was 36 years ago. 1988 um, was the cutoff for when you could have uh, women written like this. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's no surprise. I feel like just all the characters in this, all the, like, Daredevil cannot write. No, not Daredevil. He can't, he can't write because he can, never mind. Nope, no joke there. Um, no joke there. No joke. Uh, Frank Miller is not great at writing women, though. Big shocker, uh, yeah. especially back here. Okay. Also, sorry. My, my my biggest thing is the photographer is the is the Irish photographer a lady whose name is Gloriana O'Brien. Yeah. People are getting murdered in this police room, and she's just snapping photos. Okay. She's just snapping okay. photos. She's just way. snapping. So- photos so this is a scene that comes like late in the book when like ben urich is like fully on the trail of the people who who framed um matt and yeah he he has like security following him around too because he is like in some very disturbing ways uh accosted by uh one of the kingpin's associates and actually like what is one of my favorite scenes in the book the like when he's like on the phone uh, with Cindy, I think her name is, and she's choking out the cop that is his source on the story. And you don't, and I mean, this is, this. I want to get back to the Karen Page stuff just a little bit, but just to like foreground, like probably I'm going to talk a lot about David Mazzucchelli's art, but in what is like a brilliant series of panels where you just see him in the at his desk in the Daily Bugle office on the phone and increasingly all of the stuff that's happening around him is like going further and further into the background and you see him becoming like more and more distraught because and at the time you don't realize what's happening either because it's just showing the panels of him clearly being becoming like very disturbed um and then it's later revealed that what was happening was a man was being murdered on the phone while he was and he had was forced to listen to it um and it's just like an amazing bit of you know visual storytelling the art in Uh, this book is really good some of it is not masakelli is a master yeah some of this Mm -hmm. is maybe not like to my particular like style preferences but like i cannot deny that like the art in this book is really good and there's a lot of really good visual storytelling it's storytelling happening here yeah but all that is to say uh when they end up in this jail cell and gloriana is just taking pictures that is ridiculous in a way that i i, I found that page to those couple pages to be very endearing yeah that one i thought was um, pretty like, funny it's stupid the concept, but like, i thought it was pretty funny <laughs> between that and her like very like oh, i got an irish accent the whole time <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't stand the character it was like oh my really? god that's oh okay. uh, that's fair I mean, she's snapping photos. Good for her though. She she got the pics. She's on her grind. Good photographer. Yeah, you, I know. You know, you can't really you can't really disparage that. So <laughs> she doesn't. Uh, I think it's even worse when she does it in the nuke sequence, though. Like when when Daredevil like dives off the building and pushes Nuke into the taxi. And this is like we're talking like probably like a six five, hugely muscled dude just carrying around it. Like this is like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator like levels of like mach- like. 80s machismo um kind of guy and just but just a total psycho um and she's just like oh i'll just take pictures of that guy while there's shit exploding and a helicopter you know shooting at us it's i I personally did find that endearing um the karen page stuff definitely like a lot less endearing um i I will say I, i as a narrative device i don't mind the like oh heroin addict does anything to get heroin like it's not it's very it's very war on drugs reagan 80s era 
like framing of of drug addiction but i don't think it's like the worst thing where the karen page stuff loses me is all of the like interstitial scenes where she's like down in mexico and just constantly monologuing about being chased and how all she needs to do is like be saved by matt murdoch is all just so grating um and I, on, like, a literal level, I don't technically, like, I don't technically mind the concept of, like, oh, like, she is in the throes of drug addiction and she, like, does something bad. But, like, the execution is all over the place and none of the places it's at are good. Like, I... I have to ask, because I am probably the least familiar with Daredevil comics on the whole here. Uh, like, do, what is hap, what is, what is, where is Karen before this? Because, like, I tried to look it up and it feels like this specific descent happens entirely off screen and it is seems very sudden. Mm -hmm. And also it seems very ridiculous that, like she gives up the identity of the fucking daredevil for like a single hit of hair for like a single fix that yeah that seems like information that is worth way more than this and like this never comes up that that was like a wildly disproportionate trade yeah and i think i think in the book it says that she like left the you know the murdoch folks maybe maybe they broke up um to go become a movie star and then she got like worse and worse roles and then eventually she was working for heroin and then well and it's also heavily implied that she's not in she's that she's in porn movies yes right that was that is 100 percent how i like when she's talking to the the way that Mm -hmm. she talks about like some of her movies they are definitely implying that she was in porn i just i'm yeah I know that it's not the. Ca- I know that the comic is called Daredevil and not Karen Page, but like, <laughs> I feel like we could have done with like maybe like a page of montage, a Karen Page of montage, where <laughs> we see like the 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 see like the progression of her like starting off like really hopeful, getting roles or something, and then like the descent instead of just like dropping in on her like this it just i don't know she's she's just a character beat in the in this book she's just meant to like it was just very weird and it's so telling because especially in this era of comics like there was this mentality especially from dc and marvel editorial that like every issue could be somebody's first issue so you should probably like at, at least once during a story arc, you should explain like the circumstances that are going on. I feel like and they kind of like, tried. A, well, they, they do that well, with Daredevil. That's my point is they do. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 what I'm into. Is that like there is a multi-page sequence that is like telling you what Daredevil's origin is. And I, admittedly, I really do like that sequence as a way of doing it. But like Karen Page doesn't get that at all. Right? She doesn't get like, anything. And, yeah. and it's yeah, and it's I mean, it's also fu- very. Okay, no, no, I'm just saying, like, like Foggy doesn't get it either, but he's at least like a character, and he does well, things that are like noble, and he's got like he's got like a progression as opposed to being like, uh, oh, she's the reason for all this bad stuff, yeah. and she has to be saved by the person she fucked over. It's just like, okay, yeah, this the Karen Page stuff here very much feels to me 
like Frank Miller continuing what had kind of been a trend with him when he wrote Daredevil in the earlier in the eighties, which was to shirk the comics code authority as much as he possibly could. It definitely felt edgy for edgy's sake. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like, there's like the very famous issue of bullseye killing Elektra, which is like one of the like pivotal moments in Marvel, like, deciding not to just do what the like fold over to the comics code authority. And, and obviously like there's a degree of that, of pushing the envelope, especially with something as draconian as the CCA that like, I think was necessary in that era um, because comics like the CCA, like strangled comics basically, and like prevented any growth of the medium for the better part of two decades if not longer, but like, this is definitely more like, like Miller coming back and being like, Oh, I can get away with shit now. All right. Look at this like disturbed heroin addict and who has, who stars in porn movies and has a pimp. And it's classic, like Bruce, Tim doing the, you know, adult DC animated uh, adaptations where he's like, I'm off the rails now. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't have to be for kids anymore, which to be fair, like this is like what Born Again is in like the history. Of, if you like put it in the context of, of the history of comics, would that kind of also like? And we'll get back specifically to some of the other stuff in the text, definitely. But it actually brings me to one of the things that I was the most curious about, and what really struck me reading this, which was like, how do you guys think this compares to like other comics of this era? So like Watchmen obviously comes to mind, but. Even like the Dark Knight, other Miller books like the Dark Knight Returns, obviously the Vertigo boom with like Neil Gaiman writing Sandman and, you know, that sort of like explosion of like Hellblazer in this era. And I don't know how much of that you guys have read, but I know you both of you at least have like some degree of familiarity with books from that era. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think that on the whole there this this mini series this this collection is very rich in terms of story in terms of things that are like quintessential daredevil and that like it's just one of the few things where like okay this should be adapted and that's why i think like the season three when they did adapt it they like took all the good pieces which is like you know what an adaptation i guess should do and like sure. left behind the stuff and karen page's own character uh, i actually think the ben yurik stuff um was brought into season one but regardless i think I think it doesn't hold up as well as the ones around there. I mean, it's, I'd say it's more similar to the Dark Knight, uh, no, not to um, uh, Year One that Miller did, but I think Year One is better. I think it holds up better, uh, just just overall. But it's 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 got that tone, um, while not being quite as like refined. It, it's more of the era than I think the other ones are, where the other ones are sort of like held up more. Uh, I, I know you've been reading New Teen Titans, John Luke. I remember reading that and, and liking it, but I haven't read it in a while, so. Uh, but the rest are all like seminal ones that even today is like, okay, this is really good. Whereas this one's like, I can see the impact it had on the character and I see the things it gets right. But it's also like, oh, this was done 36 years ago. Yeah, it definitely, uh, I, there are a lot of comics that like, like Watchmen, you can tell that it's old, but it's also got like sort of this timeless quality where you can still read it and it doesn't feel that dated necessarily. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, not the whole thing, but it doesn't like on the whole, it, it doesn't feel as dated as when I read something like this. Like this felt extreme. Like I, I felt the age on it when I was reading it. Uh, even though I get, you know, I don't have that much specific. Like I haven't gone out of my way to read a bunch of stuff from this era, but like I've like seen and and read about and. It just it, it it very feels very typical of 
of the era as opposed to something that stands out more like maybe Watchmen. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, it's also like very much inspired by like the Reagan, Reagan era in America and the mm-hmm. Thatcher era in UK and you, in the UK and you can see like those influences on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and where like Watchmen is very clearly like responding to, to the, those kinds of politics in a specific way. So is this, but almost like it's weird because in at, at times it feels like it's going in the opposite direction, like in terms of how it portrays like drug addiction and, and violent crime. But there's also like a ton of stuff in here about like, you know, how the, like the whole bit at the end where Kingpin basically goes through like, you know, the American government to get this like psychotic, dangerous, uh, foreign, like, like, well, not foreign agent, but, you know, special operative, American special operative and like bring that home is like very prescient in a, in a way that like, I wouldn't expect for somebody like, like Frank Miller, who like, even though he is like written, like, you know, he's, he's like a good writer. I don't think of him as someone who's like social commentary has always been particularly, on point mm-hmm. um but definitely like the whole that whole, those last couple issues with nuke is just a t- it almost feels like from a social commentary's perspective from a political perspective like it's like a different frank miller who's writing the book almost oh boys um, yeah 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 <laughs> no totally um so I, I think that it's, I, I do think it's really interesting comparing it to other books because even like in terms of the way it's written, it, it hasn't like, like it, it's not long before comics sort of start moving away from the like internal monologue and like square shaped text boxes, like to the degree that they're, that they exist in Born Again is like way more than I would say like as you get later into the eighties and especially into like the vertigo stuff in the nineties and the early two thousands, that sort of like falls out of favor, which is why it's so interesting to me that like thematically, I think this it fits like with those other books that like sort of ushered in the modern era of comics, but like structurally it is extremely different. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think we, 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 we did the Karen Page thing. Um, what like in terms of like the plot, like what were like I, I know both of you seemed like a little bit um a little bit off of it. Was it just like the was it specifically the Karen Page stuff? Is or like is there other stuff about the plot that, that like didn't work for you or did work or you know, did work for you? Well like it's like like it a lot of it is just sort of convoluted and even though it is like I didn't necessarily like like I like I kind of enjoyed reading you know like even even parts of it that I thought were like really ridiculous and convoluted I kind of had fun reading but like it's just very like all of like this the ways that that dared like it 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 feels almost com, not to uh, pun unintended, but uh, comical the way that like he is like ruin the way that Kingpin is ruining Matt Murdock's life. Like it's just, I don't know. Like it's kind of ri- ridiculous. Yeah, it goes from zero to sixty really fast <laughs> in terms of, you know, Daredevil wakes up one morning and. 
gets his mail and realizes that like the IRS is auditing his 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 tax records, and then all of a sudden like he's in court for mm-hmm. uh, tax evasion and and, and late bills yeah. And, yeah. and stuff like that, um, which is like another which is another thing that is like so weird about this book to me and and another reason that like it doesn't quite like fit into that whole of like other like influential comics from this era is that a lot of like stories from this era weren't written for the trade format Mm -hmm. right it's really this era of comics that ushers in the like five like like four to eight issue story arcs that will fit nicely in a trade that we can sell to people sell to the bookstore market which is why it's so weird to me that this is like a seven issue series and not a 12 or 13 issue series because it does really feel like it could use that breathing room maybe that's especially part of why like i had such a weird time reading it is because like it could have used a few more issues to kind of like let everything sort of breathe instead of like, yeah. now this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. Yeah. And it ends up having to tell you so much through that monologue because it's like, I feel like every issue of this book, there's like a month time skip and not like from issue to issue, but just in the middle of the issue, they're like 30 days have mm-hmm. passed and Daredevil's life sucks even worse now. Mm-hmm. And it's not I kinda, like, I kind of like that. I kind of like the time skip as like a, <laughs> yeah. like it was like setting it up and then like, you know, it, it yeah. takes time to ruin someone's life and hard, hard at work. <laughs> Kingpin's been, but I want to see Kingpin on his grind, you know? Yeah. I, That's fair. I, I actually really like the, like, like how they established Kingpin as just this, like this force oh, yeah. that is like, is like, like a living and breathing like city he, he basically just like controls everything in there and there's like i think it's ben yurik he's talking to j jonah jameson and y- yurik told him like okay i'm no longer going for the story there's nothing there he's got like a broken hand because you know one of fisk's goons like broke them all and jameson like throws him out of the office and then the janitor's like good fisk will you know not kill you now it's cool so it's like it, I, I think he did a great so- job of like setting that tone and just establishing like why is wilson fisk such a good villain why is he like such 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 a hard guy to fight uh which is really cool and i feel like the book really relied on that atmosphere for most of it where it was just like this like unbeatable thing and even when he like beats up daredevil uh kingpin he like tells you about how he leaves him in a in a taxi but that doesn't actually kill him and then he's like oh no now he's escaped and it's like it almost doesn't have stakes when that's happening because you already know he's out and everything but uh and also at the end, Kingpin's still not in jail, which was a little weird too. It was just like, oh no, my life's falling apart too, but I'm not in jail because I'm Kingpin. And it almost felt like there was well, like the realistic. ending was like, yeah, but it was like it was like an unsatisfying like now Matt's happy, he's with Karen, and it's like what? Okay, I guess you got to tell more stories, but that's why the Daredevil show, that's why the Netflix show is better. It gives you an ending where they put Kingpin in jail. Someone ends up dead. See, see, the thing is, they, they've put Kingpin in jail a lot of times over the course of his history, and it, it doesn't yeah. stick, so... Yeah. But I like what you were saying about, like, that feel of, um, you know, feeling like Kingpin does have, like, a degree of power that nobody else really has. Because um, it makes... It would be very easy to write a version of this book where, like, Matt Murdock is just paranoid that everyone has turned against him and in reality that's not true but it makes his sort of like break feel all the more real where he feels like like when he goes to that like cheapo hotel 
um, because his credit cards are frozen and he only had the $10 in his pocket or whatever. Um, And stays at a hotel for eight bucks, which, you know, is funny because even the cheap hotels, you probably wouldn't be able to stay in for eight bucks now. No. Um, Like, but when somebody comes to the door, like he feels like he has to choke them out because, you know, they could be working for Kingpin. And and the book later goes on to like validate that. And like, because you see all of these people who are actually working for Kingpin and and doing all kinds of like different things, like, there's the nurse that we talked about. Who's the one who like primarily is like tasked with like intimidating Ben Urich. There's the janitor that Alex mentioned. There's like the two low level goons who just like kill somebody to take his Santa Claus costume so they can go like hustle rich people for their money, which is also a very funny scheme. Like I just love the idea of like, you're going to be a criminal by being one of those people, like one of those people in like Times Square, you dress up as Santa Claus, as Santa Claus or whatever, and takes pictures with people and charges them. But that's or, like I mean, your I mean, scheme yeah. to make money. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're going to go rob somebody, but it's like, oh, you're just going to go do this in a rich neighborhood and still like do the work. Like you shouldn't have like killed the guy to get his Santa Claus costume, <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting criminal scheme. But, but the point being that like, it makes that the sort of like total collapse of, of Matt feel like way more believable. Uh, like in those issues where he's just like, you know, cr- tr- just trying to get out of bed, which is also very relatable. <laughs> the like waking up and then like accidentally falling back asleep, but having the like weird dream where you think you got out of bed and like went and did your morning routine, and did everything you were supposed to do in the day. And then like yeah. wake up at the end of that and be like, Oh fuck. I'm still in bed. Um, I always is... think that, uh, sorry, just because uh, the, no, the whole point is Kingpin knows who Daredevil is, right? He knows he's Matt Murdock and he doesn't really tell anyone else. Yeah, He's just kind of like, it's my secret. I'm going to destroy you. I, I would have liked that at the end of this, uh, end of this book, you know, Matt Murdock's happy. He's he, with Karen Page and then he picks up the newspaper and it's like, Matt Murdock is Daredevil. And then that's, that's the end, right? Like, that's sort of like the, oh my gosh, it's like a, cause it's almost well, like, ah, and that's what the Mark Wade run does, if I remember correctly, yeah. is it, it is very like the Mark Wade run structurally. And this is one of the things that I meant when I said I think it does stuff better is it basically does a similar story to Born Again. Kingpin isn't like the ultimate villain, but it is like this sort of same thing of like slowly breaking Matt down and like pushing him to desperation and making him feel like he's alone, revealing his identity. But it happens over the course of like almost that like almost 30 issues really because it's basically being set up from the beginning of the run and goes like all the way to the point where the run ends and then restarts with Matt in a different in San Francisco I think um and and that's like what I I really think this book could have used those issues just to show like the process of of Matt falling apart um a little bit a little bit better um even though, yeah. like, I do think what is here on that front, at least, is, like, it, like I, I do think it needs more breathing room. But on the whole, I think it is fairly, like, for for how much space it's given, it is fairly well executed. Um, and it is, like, like I, I think that, like, Matt, at least, is well written. And I think that the monologue, like, Miller has a real, like, handle on writing good prose, I think. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. For for most of the, like, you know, not being able to, being unable to write women notwithstanding, like, his prose is 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 pretty high, is of a, of, of a pretty, you know, high quality. Um, 
but yeah. Uh, was there anything else, like, plot-wise that stood out to you guys that you wanted to, to hit on? I also thought it was weird that, like, there's basically no conflict between Matt and Karen about the yeah. name betrayal. It feels very... It, it feels too, like, neat. It's like... Yeah. That... I mean, like, I understand, like, if the... if matt murdoch was like you know like we're not gonna deal with that right like i'm upset but we're not gonna deal with that right now because we have more important things to do and then we can like unpack this later but he basically just immediately like forgives her and says it's fine and it's like well that doesn't make any sense yeah it it, it feels again like a space thing where they were like where it's just like oh this is the story yeah and there, there's there's just things that they're like nope not that doesn't go it's also a weird concession to the fact that, like, at the time, and for a long time, uh, Karen Page kind of filled the same role that, like, Selena Kyle fills for Batman in, like, it's the, like, sort of back and forth, like, will they, won't they? They can be together for a little bit, but then, like, circumstances force them apart. Yeah. And it feels like a weird concession to be like, oh, well, they just have to get over this, like, extremely, like, like this ex- very extreme breach of breach of trust. Yeah. Um, and also, like, the extremely traumatic things that, like, both of them have, like, gone through in the time mm-hmm. since that happened. Um, yeah. It's definitely, like, a different approach. Like, there is there is definitely, a like, a very different approach to, like, the way that Frank Miller writes protagonists. And the way that, like, male protagonists were written in this era mm-hmm. than there is now, where now it's, like... You know, we've got to unpack everyone's trauma and and Bruce Wayne has to like go to therapy and have depression. Um, No, I I say that in the the, like derogatory tone. I don't actually really mean it that way. I think there's like some good stuff that's come out of that. Um, Well, the mostly just that one, the the couples therapy scene in season three of Harley Quinn, the rest of it, I can take or leave. Um, But, but this is like this, like, but you know, in the eighties, it was very much like stoic, masculine it was like the sort of stoic masculinity and the machismo of it as well like you know matt got his girl back and that's the more important than than anything else Mm -hmm. um feels like there should be some sort of middle ground there uh where like the characters can talk about their feelings without it you know being a weepy tom king book um it, it also just ends a bit too clean. It's just like a happy, like they're 100%. together. Mm-hmm. And I like, mean, it's okay. also, it's no. also comical that they just like the daily bugle releases a headline story about it. And it's like, Oh, we're good now. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we dealt with it again. The Netflix series does a very good job adapting this. Yeah, do you yeah. want to tell us a little bit about the way that Netflix yeah. handled this storyline? Yeah, so, so they kind of split up between seasons one and three. And then season two, they're just like, eh, we'll do our own thing. And it was like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but Ben Yurik's in season one, which is the one you saw. And he ends up dying eventually chasing that story. And he ends up getting it published, I think, at the end. It helps, helps bring Kingpin down this, the, the first time. Uh, in season three, full spoilers for Daredevil season three for you, for you people. Uh, but in season three, uh, Kingpin's in jail. But he's still like running the city and he finds out Matt's identity and he's like doing it from jail. And he's like this figure and Matt comes visit him. and He's like, I know you're doing it. And he's like, yo, I'm in jail. What are you talking about? And it's it's kind of the same thing where he's taking it down. But the, the surrounding characters actually have their own personalities. Karen's not just, you know, there to be there to, to drive people forward. Um, there's there's a there's a part in this book where there's the guy who dresses up as Daredevil. And he's like 
presumably going to go like tarnish his name or something but then he gets stopped uh in the show he actually does and like kills a bunch of people and that's like a big thing in it where it's like oh my god daredevil is killing people can you trust this guy um and they keep they keep the stuff with the uh with the nuns and everything and that lady who's definitely his mom uh gets gets explored a lot uh that one i assume that they don't bring in nuke i know they have nuke uh is in jessica jones sort of oh yeah uh not wait really not in not in very much of a recognizable capacity like the guy who is supposed to be nuke is there and if i remember it he shows up in season two and if i remember correctly he does have like a weird thing with like pills or whatever but i don't think i finished season two and i'm very certain he never gets any of the uh the American I was gesturing at my, for the for the audience. I was gesturing at my face because Nuke has a big yeah. fucking American flag tattoo on his face. Yeah, it, it's a very cool design. I love it. It's you know, it's also fun. like one of the best bits of character writing in this Daredevil book is Captain America having to grapple with the fact that like honestly, yeah, American, no good? the American flag is used for some like pretty vile and violent purposes. Yeah. Uh, abroad. Well, and the which fact is that, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the the reason that Nuke exists as he does is like right. them trying to recreate the circumstances that created him, Captain America. Yeah. 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 That that honestly was like like I was I, I was having a good time like reading it. I think I like it a f- significantly more than I would have read all, you, I would have but... read a whole book on that honestly no yeah exactly like when i got to that i'm like oh my god this is like just a different quality of of writing in terms of like the introspection that cap has to do and then him Mm -hmm. like sort of taking it into his own hands and investigating uh nuke at the end um it's just like really like good captain america writing and like the kind of captain america writing that like for this era feels like it would have been pretty revolutionary. Cause I feel like, oh, yeah. like those aren't really things that like thematically, like that's not something that was really explored until like the Brubaker run. And like, to a lesser extent, like ultimate captain America, who was basically just nuke. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought that that was, that was normal. And also, um, that scene at the end, like when the Avengers show up to like stop Nuke, help Daredevil stop Nuke in Hell's Kitchen, um, David Mazzucchelli's drawing Iron Man is some of, are some of my favorite panels in this book. I love that old Iron Man costume and how pointy the edges on it are. And Mazzucchelli draws it so like I love I, and I hate this about like what the MCU has done to the Iron Man costume in terms of like we need to make it look more high tech and more just like a person and it, it used to look like a fucking killing machine and I like that he used a to look lot like a more. robot and it was cool yeah he's just, maybe there's a guy in there maybe there's not like it, either way you're dead yeah exactly yeah. and Mazzucchelli draws the shit uh, draws the oh, shit yeah. out of it and he that also there's like the one panel of like Thor in the shadows like holding the hammer above and causing it to start to rain it's like yeah. oh man just seeing Mazzucchelli like draw like those iconic characters is um, fucking and, amazing and it's such a good like it, it's such a difficult balance where like you know you, you have these single character story things where they're going up against these villains that are like 
supposed to inflict enough damage, but not too much that like the Avengers would come or like right. the Justice League would come. It's um, not an Avengers level threat. As no, you know, so it's like knows. it's like when that when that block blows up, they're like, eh, whatever, not yet. But then you know, <laughs> this this guy with an American flag shows up, they're like, uh oh, yeah, we gotta go. But yeah, I thought I thought it was handled well. Um, and yeah, on, honestly, I think it's like a a good book, but I think it's 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 one that's almost like the things inside of it are almost more interesting than the thing as a whole, and, and, <laughs> oh, and like totally. the things it does well. So, um, yeah, I. I can see why this was and is sort of like an influential book at the time, and why also in in the year that we are in now, it's sort of like oh, there's there's some things that are mm, mm, kind of missing out. I mean, you know, Frank Miller comics and not holding up in the two th- in in the twenty first century. Name a more Shocking. iconic duo. Well, you know, I mean, like, who could have possibly uh, seen this coming? I'd say most of them hold up, but you know, most of them are not holy terror, so. Was that ever? Was that ever? I, I don't I know. Was like, never was never like, gonna hold up. It doesn't. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't. Right. Like when it came out, where what was the vibe? I have no idea. What, I, like, my understanding of it, and obviously I wasn't around either. But my understanding is that Holy Terror was like almost always universally like repulsive. I mean, it was supposed to be a Daredevil story, I and then he it. took it to DC to uh, write it with Batman, oh. and both of them were like, I didn't know. Oh, that. Or it might be the other way around. Well, I knew it was, that it was supposed to be a Batman story, but I didn't yeah. know that he took it to Marvel. Uh, I'm in... pretty sure. I I might be getting the order wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he like pitched it as both a Batman and a Daredevil story, and both of the big two were like, are you fucking kidding me? We I thought this was from this. like 2000. It's from 2010. Yeah. 2011. Oh, yeah. oh my god. No, no, no. So, so, so he, to be fair, he sat on it for years. Like, it, it he didn't release it until like 2010 or 2011. But I'm, if I remember about it correctly, he wrote it like in like a few years prior to that. I could that be makes wrong, sense because right? I mean, for those that don't don't know Holy Terror, the original Batman pitch was uh, Al Qaeda attacks Gotham City, and Batman quote yeah. unquote kicks Al Qaeda's ass. Yeah, Wikipedia the... does not say anything about Daredevil, but okay. I, I mean that, I, doesn't, I remember... that doesn't mean it. It was it was announced in two thousand and six. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but it was never announced like as a Batman book, right? Like it was. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think it was. Uh, yeah. Oh, he. Uh, it looks like he announced it at a WonderCon panel, yeah. and then. Uh... Oh, damn! So and, and the title. <laughs> DC's lawyers were like, "Uh, why did he do that?" Yeah, and so the title of the book is called Holy Terror because it's like, "Hey, the war on terror," but it's also like when Burt Ward's Batman, Batman would say holy something Batman so it's it's holy terror that was his little uh nod to the 60s Batman as he's doing Hilarious. his yeah his extremely Islamophobic deranged comic it was originally going to be yeah. called holy war Batman and Batman <laughs> would and Batman would no longer feature in it so the way he talks about it is like, yeah, you know, as it went on I decided Batman wouldn't be in here but uh, I <laughs> yeah buddy okay I'm sure that I'm tr- this is where Dan DiDio drew the line. He was like, nope, not here. Not now. <laughs> Dan DiDio was like, yeah, uh, 10 years of Eddie Berganza is fine, but I, we can't have Frank Miller write a right-wing anti-Muslim comic book. You know what's funny, though, is I feel like if he had... Uh... If he had pitched Holy Terror Batman, like, and I I don't know why we're going on so long about this tangent, <laughs> but uh, if he had pitched Holy Terror Batman in, like, 2003, I feel like 
I feel like it could have gotten off the ground. Yeah. Also, Grant Morrison criticized it in 2006, so he's a real one. There. Grant Morrison uses they them pronouns. Yeah. Oh yes. That uh, yeah. Um, absolute legend. I I, I also wonder if um, Frank Miller had pitched it for a different character. Like, it just feels like such a bad fit for Batman. But, like, if he had pitched it as, like, a Wonder Woman book, would they have gone for it? Oh, you know, actually, yes. I think, like... It does seem a bit more, I think yeah. absolutely you know, they would have gone for it. Right? Like, if he had been a little smarter in terms of, like, how he had pitched and it. And it would have given uh, Frank Miller another excuse to do horrible writing of women. Oh, have you... Oh, that that... You've you've not read like Dark Knight Returns or the Dark Knight? No, 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 no. Sorry, Dark Knight Strikes Again. Strikes well, again. No, that one is. Oh. Read, uh, didn't we want to read some of that for the show? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. I, I do. I want to read some of that for the I, show. I don't think I. I have a feeling that a, a Holy Terror Wonder Woman comic would have had some really awful like oh. attempt at attempt at feminist politics uh, oh. with Wonder Woman yeah. and like. Yeah. The anyway, we I don't need to con- I don't need yeah. to draw out this bit. Why the last man happened? So we're all Yeah, it, it was <laughs> like what I was thinking about why the last man the whole time I was talking, so I'm glad you picked yeah. up on that. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh let's talk about David Mazzucchelli. I want to talk. I want to talk. Okay. We we, okay. we we we've shit on Frank Miller for a little bit. Let's uh, no, not in a bad way necessarily. But what are uh, I, I know you both said you liked the art, mm-hmm. but what are some of your what, what were some of your favorite like pages or, or panels or just general like sequences of of like Mass Kelly's work here? If you have any off yeah. the top of your head, I like how he uh, portrayed uh, Kingpin a lot, just as yeah. this sort of again this force, this larger than life sort of sort, sort of character there. Um, and that scene you talked about with um, with Mister Mister Journalist Man um, uh, Ben Urich, ben, ben where yeah, with just the colors happening and is like going through this, it's it's good. It's 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 like um, I would say I don't like it as much as, as Batman as Batman Year One his work on that. Um, maybe because Batman Year One is just a lot darker the whole time and sort of like mm-hmm. it feels like it's one consistent mood. Where this one's sort of it's it's definitely the similar mood, but it's kind of like got some brighter colors and stuff like that that I, I think. Worry don't really let him shine as much as he as he does in a year one yeah that was maybe like my one kind of complaint about the art was that sometimes the colors were like brighter than felt was fitting for the tone of what was going on but i also know that was like kind of a style so like it's not quite out of that like 70s like very Mm -hmm. like blocky bright colors like you know, not much of a, not much of a palette, right? Like, yeah. very, like, basic primary color. Like, it wasn't enough that, like, it impeded the the reading experience yeah. at all, but I did feel like it could have used, like, a little bit of a darker palette, maybe. But I, I don't have any scenes that, like, off the top of my head were, like, my favorite, because, again, we read this, like, a month ago. But, um, like, I do just remember, like... The, like as soon as you brought up how good the art was i was like oh yeah like that was one of the things i liked most about the book in general was i yeah. thought the art was really good 
Uh, one thing I will say in favor of the coloring is this image that I just sent to our chat, which is after, uh, you know, Daredevil has been beaten uh, and, oh, and put yes. in the, the taxi. Yes. Yeah, put in the taxi to die. But, like, they dug up the taxi and there was no, like, Matt Murdock's corpse wasn't there. And there's just this page of Kingpin looking over the city, wearing, like, these cast in, like, a dark light smoking uh, wearing like this like light blue or really like dark blue light purple shirt and these like dark purple pants thinking about how like oh fuck there was no corpse oh fuck oh fuck uh is is basically the vibe but like total like uh, like basically his expression is like under total control and like ends with this great panel of him overlooking the city that's like cast in pink absolutely neon pink by the windows yes. and it's like just this brilliant piece of like you, there's so much the art there is so rich in terms of like what it gets across about his character that he's like all even though something has like finally gone wrong like he's still like fully in control and like no doubts that you know it's gonna go it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna go off the rails like he even like yeah. there, there's like this middle panel on the page where he even is like almost smirking at the camera of like there's been a there's been a little bit of an impediment but i'll get through mm-hmm. it you know it's just it's great stuff uh, from from Mazzucchelli. Yeah, and, uh, and there's there. also a good um, dual sort of um, uh, what do you call it? Dual sort of uh, they it's like Daredevil and uh, and Kingpin. They got their like yeah. dueling. Jeez, uh, I can't think of the word. It's talking about them, but they're not saying it. Like in this panel, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's talking about them, but Internal they're not saying monologue? it. Yeah, but it's not their monologue. Oh, it's not them saying it. It's like it, Oh my god, it's narration though. That was the word. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It's been a month. I've been doing a lot of math, not a lot of speaking. Uh, yeah, but this just reminded me like the dual narration, the two different colors, and it's like this guy's life's going down, this guy's life's going up, and then at the end yeah. it you know flips back where it's like, Hey, yay. It's a good juxtaposition between the the two characters for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I also really like the page sequence where it sort of is retelling uh how matt Mer- like daredevil became was blinded and and had his senses accentuated where it's like these four pages of he's like sleeping he's like homeless he's sleeping uh on a pile of garbage and you see like on the left side of this page is like slim like shot of his face and then on the the right is like a series of uh eight panels uh or yeah of eight panels where it's just like black but with like really big like brightly colored text boxes and it starts off so zoomed in on his face that like it cuts off the gutters on the left and right sides of the page and then the shot sort of pulls out more and more as he like starts waking up and the gutters like slowly come back in and become more like more like more like what you would expect the gutters to be like and that's just another like great i i I thought that was another like great uh visual trick mm-hmm. uh from from Masakele. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um it's a lot of good stuff uh visually um and then there's in that the the issue that that Emily <laughs> didn't read there's it, it's not a great issue but there's one pan- page that really stuck out to me which is the setup for for that issue is basically that like this character that that Matt Murdock represented who was a criminal and Matt like believed in him uh, he like goes back into a life of crime and it's revealed that he did that because, you know, his girlfriend had been kidnapped 
Um, and so he and Daredevil like go to take on the his girlfriend's kidnappers. And there's this scene of like Matt fighting the the, the kidnappers, and he's just like walking through like through the middle of the fight uh towards his towards his tied up girlfriend i'll I'll put that one in the chat as well so that you guys can see it but i also thought that that page was 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 really good um definitely has like that weird thing where like the backgrounds are just a solid color Mm -hmm. it it does not feel like it would fit with the rest of the story but i think that's a fantastic page nice um It looks really like golden age art going on right there. It's just I like mean, r- really cool done. The whole this whole book, like you can feel it straddling the line between like the the bronze age and the modern age, really, or the silver age and the modern age, or however whatever terminology you want to use. Um, silver age and the bronze age, or whatever. Um, it's it, it definitely feels like a turning point more so than like. Like Watchmen feels like it's firmly like it's taken the next step into the next like even the Dark Knight Returns to to use a Miller book it's taken that step over the boundary and is doing something different and this very much has like one foot in both worlds which I think is like you know I think it makes the book a little bit worse from my perspective or, or like at least from like in terms of the comics I write like it is hard a little bit harder to read. Um, <clears throat> But like it is, it makes it compelling from like a you know historical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, truly truly a transitional period. Yeah. It was in the comics industry. It it was a transitional period in comics, and yeah. we transitioned to I don't know the nineties. <laughs> yep, Superman died. Sure did. Yeah, which is so funny because that book is like way less serious than this, and it's like Superman dying. Yeah. Well, it's like. It's like ten years later. Well, he came. He came back. Like, okay, spoiler, I guess. So you know, wow. it's not. It wasn't that big of a deal. Got deal-out. better. Like if I died <laughs> and then I came back eleven months later, like everyone would get over it. They'd be like, "Oh, oh okay. that, that'd make it an even bigger deal." It's like Jean Luc died. Oh my god, Jean Luc died, and then it's like, wait, Jean Luc's back? What? <laughs> it'd be confusing, but it'd be welcome. No. Yeah. Well, that's thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're not uh, doing I, heavy lifting. I'm just complimenting <laughs> your. <laughs> uh, who do we think cries the most in in? I think this has an easy answer, but in Daredevil: Born Again, I think it's Karen Page. Yeah, yeah. it's that or Daredevil. I was going to say I mean, Matt Karen Page. Both of them actually do cry a lot, like on page. Yeah, on page, page on page. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot yeah. of Matt in the fetal position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there really is. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I said before, the ones where he's like, I'm going to go get Kingpin. Oh, I didn't get outside. <laughs> I know. I'm going to go get Kingpin. Like it's, it's, it's charming how depressed he was. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a weird way of saying it. It's, but it's just like, it's like, you know, makes superheroes a little bit relatable. I think that was one of the most like relatable parts where it's like, Oh, I got something to do. It's like, Oh, I nap for three hours. Oh, I'll try tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> sure. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think that'll do it for Daredevil Born Again. Yeah. Uh, but I'm 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 hearing a sound in my earpiece that I I don't fu- I I think I know what it is, but I don't fully recognize it. I Is that the Is that the Doomsday Clock? Oh, God, yeah. That sounds like a a month where Jeff Johns is releasing two new number 1 comics. Fuck. That is that sure is the doomsday clock, uh, and the doomsday clock that signifies 
our first ever cry space, which is a, uh, you know, uh, a segment that we are introducing uh, where we each talk about something that made us cry. Uh, Not necessarily like in a sad way, but, you know, a lot of the time in a sad way, I guess. Who knows? Um, I can go first because my cry space is doomsday clock related unfortunately what? um so uh jeff johns as some people may know has been writing this book called flashpoint beyond uh uh-huh. over at uh dc comics i'm good um, as you're saying this okay yeah, yeah yeah um and the sixth issue of which came out uh t- well two weeks ago as of recording this episode, and I believe probably about a month ago by the time you hear this, I'm going to put a page uh, into uh, our group chat from this book. Um, I hate that I have been reading this, by the way. It's it's really not very good. Um, but Jeff Johns, once again, has taken it into his hands uh, to shit on the legacy of Watchmen. Uh, by creating a new character called Nostalgia, who, if you don't recognize, if, if, if people don't know, that is the name of Ozymandias' perfume uh, in Watchmen. Um, and she is, her costume is the mascot for that perfume. And her name is literally Nostalgia. And there is this panel where she shows up with Ozymandias' cat uh and she says on the page uh it looks like the watchmen aren't home uh, well it's, it's it, yeah oh wait is that you sent us something different sorry did i well, yeah. it, it says, guess we'll have to find the Watchmen another way, huh, bub? Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I didn't say the uh that's I didn't say the exact line verbatim. But yes, oh, yeah. that's that's the line. Uh implying that they are, you know, in Ozymandias' Arctic stronghold. And that made me she, sad. She also says watch man as in like yeah. man. Oh yes. Yeah, like it's she it's, does say like, the watch. Jeff John knows how to write women, is I think is the is the point of this. <laughs> she, of this yeah, panel. she doesn't say the watchmen. She says the watch man. Um so DC, you know, can't stop can't stop, won't stop when it comes to obliterating the legacy of the the watchmen. Okay. Um, I've got a bonus cry space. Okay. Also related to Jeff Johns. Oh boy. <laughs> also related to that series. Uh, I did a little bit of googling, and uh-huh. uh, I checked what happened in, in the last issue. And uh, you guys remember DC Five G? It was going to be yes, their like yes. big thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so so there's Batman, and he's staring at a at a at a, at a blackboard, and it says Five G averted, and the Five G is crossed out. So it's 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 in reference to their their failure thing. I, I haven't even read the rest of it. It's just it's just funny. It's talking about omniverses, and yeah, he's just. It, it's wow. also the classic. Because for probably about a decade, Jeff Johns loved to do this thing where he would put characters standing in front of chalkboards or whiteboards, and on the chalkboards and whiteboards would be a bunch of teasers for upcoming stories that were coming to DC. Uh, and this is, you know, not... I'm a sucker for that no, stuff. Or no, was well, at least. Well, I, I was also a sucker for that stuff, but uh, nobody cares about this shit anymore. Uh, Jean-Luc, why is Deathstroke not acting like Deathstroke? question mark imposter question mark question mark i would say that deathstroke is very much acting like deathstroke in the pages of uh batman versus robin 
uh, where Deathstroke has taken over the the League of Assassins. Yeah, well, it's good stuff at DC Comics. Also, there's a TikTok clock going on, so I'm guessing it's tied to Watchmen. Same issue, probably. Uh, that is from the my, same. This is also from the same issue. Yeah. What a, what a time to cry. Makes me sad. Uh, my cry space. I could pick something that made me cry in the past week, but instead, I'm going to do a future cry space. My sister's best friend is getting married this weekend, and I will probably cry at the wedding. Yay. That's exciting. Yeah. Gwen and I went out to the mall and bought uh, something to wear to the wedding because we had to wear something blue, and I realized that I don't, like, own any nice clothing (laughs) that that is blue. That's not the color. (laughs) If it was green, like... Yeah, I know. Like, if it was green, I'd be all set, but... Yeah, that's my that's nice. my future cry space. Good stuff. Alex, what was your bonus cry space? Your cry space? Oh yeah, what's your cry space? Or do you have one? I thought I had one, and then I got too excited about my bonus one, and then I started thinking about DC five G, and <laughs> you know, got got excited. Um, Alex's cry space is that he got excited over DC Comics. That's it. That was it. That was the cry space. We did it. It's good. <laughs> um, yeah, things are good. Except I'm not. I'm so I'm house sitting right now, so I can't do gaming at night. It makes me sad. Rip. I feel yeah, like can't be playing Overwatch too. I can't even watch. Uh, can't even watch football with the boys, as they say. No. There's a game on right now, and I don't think anyone's watching it. No one in the world is watching it. Good well, riddance. None of our friends are. I don't even mm. know. I don't know who's playing. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Anyways. The Ravens and the Buccaneers. We can watch Brady get smoked again. We love to see it, folks. (laughs) We love to see it. He cries the most, I think. Anyway. Dude, Brady is... He's had a rough patch, and I'm living for it. (laughs) Um... But yeah, that'll do it for uh, this episode of of Crying in the Book Club, (laughs) where we hate Tom Brady. Um... I, next week, uh, next episode, not next week, two weeks from now, uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, talking about Shade the Changing Girl. It is, in fact, going to be Shade next, next week woman. for us, huh? Don't... It is next week for us, yes, but it is in two weeks for for the, the listeners. Um, so you have that to look for. That is the 2017 Young Animal book. Alex, you picked it. You should tell me when it was. Tell me that I'm uh, about yeah, it was in it was in a year. Well, there there there, there were like two seasons of it, so the, we're going to be reading the first one. Um, so yeah. this is this will be the most recent book we've talked about, right? Yes. Aside from the aside from the one issue of Chip Zdarsky's Batman run that came out like two months yeah. ago, that we talked. Yeah, I think, about, I think this but... is, this is the newest one. And also yeah. our first uh, young animal, which maybe that'll bring us to some Gerard uh, Way comics. No, Who because knows? Uh, Laura Jean, Ke- Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. Came out in 2019. It was a lie. Oh, right. It's the second newest one. We talked about this on the Laura Dean episode that I thought that book came out in like 2014, and apparently, as soon as we stopped recording, I went back to thinking that book came out in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you are correct. The Laura Dean came out in uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you'll have a uh, uh, that to look forward to. 
on the next episode of Crying in the Book Club. Uh, between now and then, you can uh, follow us on Twitter uh, at Crying Book Club. Um, you can follow us individually. Uh, I'm at Mountain Dew Liker. Uh, Alex is at Alex Hansiak. Uh, and Emily is at M Pandanata, spelled like it sounds. Uh, you can check out some of our other product projects. Uh, Alex uh, is back in the, the games criticism uh, game. Uh, he has a review of Overwatch 2 that at this point, you know, it's pro- it's been a bit, but you can go read his review of Overwatch 2 on cgmagonline.com. Mm. I have not said that URL on a podcast in a minute, so that's exciting. Wow. Um, you can listen to Emily's other podcasts, uh, Imagine Me and Utena, uh, the Fresh Podcast Market. Um, and maybe that looks terrible. We'll have an episode come that out. That looks terrible. Officially premiering in January. Uh, that this okay. officially, uh, we technically have a couple episodes edited already, but the, uh, I am not editing them. The person who is editing them, this is also her first podcast. So, you know, she's, she's getting the hang of it. But uh, new editing wow. podcast yeah. is easy to me. <laughs> new uh, new episodes of that podcast coming out officially in the new year. Wow, Sorry. what a scoop! I think it, it is that debuting here information. Yeah, that, that information in is debuting here. Nobody else. Wow, has that. you heard That's it. Amazing. You heard it here first. Wow. Um, also, by the time this has come out, uh, and we'll post it. I'll post this on on Twitter, but. There will be a podcast episode on a feed. It may be on this one. It may not. Uh, but we are going to be uh, joined by our friend Chad, who also joined us for the God Country episode a couple weeks ago, uh, to talk about the uh, new Taylor Swift album, Midnight. Swift, um, cast, also, pod, cast. Maybe some Carly Rae Jepsen to, <laughs> and, and to you I think know. A few of us, yeah, a few of us will be talking about uh, The Loneliest Season as well. I still yeah. have um, to listen to I, it. I have thoughts about both, and uh, let's say things have changed, but not in the way maybe expect. But you guys don't know anything about that, so I don't know what I'm telling you. Tune in, eventually. It, it already happened. The maybe. last time I heard, Alex was disappointed by The Loneliest Season, so... True, and I was pretty. Uh, I was liking the quirkiness that uh, Taylor Swift was bringing. She's so quirky. I gotta so. say though, I gotta say though, after how bad Beach House was, it was impossible for me to be disappointed by the rest of uh, the Lonely Season because I thought that album was going to be horrible. I got it. Beach House that. in Canada. Malibu. Oh, and, and I'm probably gonna. And I'm probably gonna organs. harvest your organs. I hate that line. I hate it so much. I hate <laughs> Why? that song. Because- Canadians are more because of we don't do that. I mean, when Archie He's went to Canada, that that's exactly what did happen. He like ran into a bear or something, right? <laughs> yes, Archie got mauled by a bear in Canada. He did. Alex, I watched yeah, in a, in a cabin. I watched season six. John Luke, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, close your eyes. Close your ears. Close your eyes. Okay. Wild or not wild? Oh, like wild. <laughs> like okay, 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 wild. okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jean Luc, you got to catch up because then we'll have another special episode. So, yeah, we, we hello, we, you're we back. Riverdale episode. If you I mean, spoil it, I have to edit this episode. No, so I guess I'm no. Okay, okay. No, it was all uh, visual, so not even the oh, people God. listening got anything good. So <laughs> that's what we like to do. Keeping it all in house. Um, yeah, and then yeah, if you want, you can follow me on Letterboxd. Um, you better. Boss Bill over there. Um, and you can follow me on yeah. Twitch at Pandabore, where I am oh, yeah. uh, I still 
streaming the Ace Attorney games. I'm going to start the stream back up. I've been on hiatus because I had surgery, but I will start back up next week. Well, from when this oh, is recording. Yeah. I'll, I will have been doing more Ace Attorney streams for a, a little bit when this comes out. Ace Attorney Day. 2? Yes, I am on Justice for All as we were recording. Oh, yeah. Well, uh that'll do it we'll uh say goodbye to the audience and we'll see you uh in two weeks bye-bye bye bye okay bye see ya say bye to the audience john i did he said first I said it first. We could play the music. Play the outro song? You, I, I was we waiting because I thought John was going to say <laughs> okay. like, bye again. All right, let's start again. Start again. Okay, let's, okay, let's again. do that again. Okay. All right, and now no, it's no, time no, to no, say no, goodbye no. to the... The whole podcast. <laughs>